A lifeguard shortage is affecting public pools across the country. The problem of child sex abuse in the Boy Scouts of America. This extremely tight-knit community shattered by gun violence. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured. Closing pools nationwide is causing some unexpected people to step up. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Staffing Safety Society. Today's episode continues our series on social and emotional wellness. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Y'all, in the last two episodes, we discussed social and emotional wellness, first with focus on kids. In the last episode, focus on your staff. We talked last week to Derek Heim, the CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of Metro South in Brockton, Massachusetts. And we heard about all the amazing things he's doing to support his staff. Today, we have another special guest, Tracy Gaslin. She's the executive director of the Alliance for Camp Health, and she's going to share what they're doing, the good work they're doing, and how they're advising camps all over the country. Welcome, Tracy. Thanks, Kevin. Glad to be here. Welcome. So happy to have you. Uh, we, I should tell you, Tracy, that um, Derek was our first guest on the show. We got immediate uh, response from our dozens of podcast listeners who said it was really refreshing to them to have people on the uh, on the podcast who actually had some idea what they were talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, we'll we'll do a little bit more. We'll try to hold. We'll try to hold on. Right. <laughs> right. We took the hint. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but we are going to start, as is always the case, with today's headline. And That's Paige, right. I think you've got something in your, on your mind. I do. And this actually has been in the headlines for a couple of weeks, right? But I think the important part of this headline is um, DeMar Hamlin is home. Oh. Let's start there, right? Like the the miracle of all the, how this story has unfolded over the past couple of weeks. I mean, just the miracle of him sitting up in bed and even writing out like the question, did we win right. that type of thing? Right. I mean, all of us were shocked that it got that far, but then to be what, two weeks out and he's at home, he's talking okay. neurologically in a really good health. Yeah. Um, and so I just think it's, we should always pause to celebrate miracles in the moment. But what we know is like, yes, miracles happen every day, but most of the time those miracles happen because people have shown up for different right. parts of the story. Right. And so let's make sure we call out a little bit of some of those heroes today um, that kind of showed up for tomorrow in that moment. And Kevin, you and I've talked about this before. I think you've even mentioned it in a couple of other meetings we've been in is the people that showed up were not the millionaires playing on the field or, or, you know, coaching or those types of things or bought the season tickets. It was those kind of lower paid assistant trainer, EMS guy driving the ambulance, you know, the person that was running the AED out to the field, looking for the scissors inside the AED bag, all of those things. Those folks don't have the million dollar contracts. Right. right. How important it is to realize without those folks that just show up because it's what they love to do, what they're trained to do, what they take serious, miracles don't happen every day. You bet. There's there's a hundred... Um, millionaire football players and coaches standing or kneeling on that field, totally dependent on the work of somebody who makes $40,000 a year. Right. And I think they would all say almost in all of them too. Like, I think we heard the coach of the bill say, we know they practice it because we've, you know, we kind of get a glimpse of it, but we also know when we're not at that field, when we're at home, they're still practicing it of what to do when one of us goes down. And I just think that speaks volumes for our community of how people show up for each other. You bet. And, and uh, you know, Paige just had a couple of things. First of all, um, their fast response was was amazing. 
but let's just let's just uh, call it what it is. Demar Hamlin was dead. Yeah. Right. His they brought Demar Hamlin back to life. They gave him a chance at life. And for the folks listening to this podcast, you and your staff, uh, I hope this is never the case, but you may well be in a position where you've got somebody in your pool or on a treadmill or at camp or whatever. And society's expectation is that you will bring them back to life. That's the expectation that your staff will have drilled just like the Bengals or the Bills medical staff, just like the stadium staff, just like the EMTs. You will have drilled enough that, let me just tell you, as a cardiac patient myself, if something happens to me in your pool uh, and, and I start floating, I expect you to get to me within 10 seconds, recognize me within 10 seconds, get to me within another 10 seconds and bring me back to life. That's the expectation society has. So I just want to be really clear about that. The second thing is, um, you mentioned the scissors and the I, scissors. you know, I just love the scissors. We talk about the AED, but this has got to be drilled down to the lowest level of detail because the AED would have done us no good if a bunch of guys were struggling to get DeMar Ham Hamlin's jersey off. Instead, right. they cut it immediately, lifted it, got the paddles on his chest and brought him back to life, right? My kingdom for a pair of scissors. and And so- Pages, you and I know we've had situations where people didn't know how to use the AED, didn't know how to use the paddles on a hairy chest, all those kinds of things. And so they needed a razor, razor, a scissors. We got to be well drilled and be prepared to deliver on these kinds of things. And it's one of the beautiful parts of the story because it, show, it shows you just in one pair of scissors, the culture of safety that they have. Meaning, how many times have we said, along the sidelines, hey, does anybody have a pair of scissors that, you know, cut off this wrap we have on my wrist or whatever it is? And to make sure, A, that those aren't the scissors you go get is the ones that are in the AED pack. Um, and if for some reason somebody goes and gets them, how quickly they get back to that pack. Like that culture of safety to make sure one pair of life-saving scissors never moves out of that bag to make sure it's always readily available is just, uh, that's, that's inspiring. As we were talking about DeMar Hamlin the other day, we were in a boys and girls club, you and I, just a couple of days ago, and um, there was the AED. Yeah. And, and and we said, well, there's the AED. I wonder when it gets checked to see if it works. And you got the yep. scissors and all that kind of stuff. And the guy who runs the facility was standing right in front of us. He said, every Tuesday at two. Every Tuesday at two. We and did. you and I thought, oh, what? A, thanks for showing off. That was right. way cool. Well, well listen. Paige, we have a really special guest, and I know uh, all of our listeners are wondering when you and I will stop jabbering on and on That's and true. let Tracy speak. And so how about you introduce Tracy? And Tracy, we got yes. about you know, a few hundred questions for you. I know, right? <laughs> yes, we can go on all day long. But I think the like the kind of transition from the DeMar Hamlin story to Tracy is that you've got people like Tracy that show up every single day for kids and believe yeah. in camp and believe in that experience. And so we are so excited to have Tracy Gaslin with us today. Um, she's with the Alliance for Camp Health that I think uh, Kevin mentioned earlier. That's formerly known as the Association of Camp Nursing. The Alliance for Camp Health serves as the knowledge center for camp health services. And they have done a ton of work around mental, emotional, social health for camps. So Tracy, as a previous professor and dual certified nurse practitioner in pediatrics and adults, we should also note we're bringing in the big dog today, Kevin. Like this yeah, is, wow. right? Tracy completed her PhD in educational and organizational leadership 
She taught for 10 years, specializing in camp nursing, service leadership, physiology, hematology. She periodically works as a camp consultant and legal consultant and publishes the majority of her work in the areas of bleeding disorders, pediatric development, camp nursing, behavioral health, and service leadership. She served as the medical director at a special needs camp for six years where she directed care for children with chronic disease, disability, and life-threatening illness talking about needing to show up very well every day. She currently serves as the executive director for the Association of Camp Nursing. And recently, just in 2020, co-authored a textbook called Camp Nursing, The Basics and Beyond. She is passionate about every child having a camp experience. And I think she means that deliberately. Every child having a camp experience and learning that they can achieve great things in life. Tracy, we are so happy to have you here. Thanks, Paige and Kevin. It's uh, truly my joy to be here with you all and just to learn and grow. And I think the beautiful part about our camp community is that we love connecting. That's one of our gifts, one of our talents, and we love learning from one another and picking up on different ways to kind of really uh, bring kids along, right? Meet them where they are, bring them along. Uh, And we know, having had done this for years, that we really benefit as much as the kids. That really makes us a better human being because we walk through some of the difficulties of their lived experience. So yeah, so ACH, previously ACN, we only had to change one letter. I made it really easy. Made the logo Uh, change easy. Logo change, but we we did that on purpose. Alliance for Camp Health is very invested in anyone who has an interest in camp health and well-being. And my hope is that everybody at camp has an interest in health and well-being because we know Redwoods has a strong culture of safety. And that is just directly in line with ACH. That's what we are too. What are the safety things we can do from physical safety to mental, emotional, social health safety? So we love what we do. We love the opportunity to partner in these ways. Uh, We are doing a lot of work, as you mentioned right now, Paige, in MESH. And MESH is the language we use. It came out of the Healthy Camps Committee many years ago, and it just has kind of stuck with us. MESH stands for Mental, Emotional, and Social Health because they are very different. Uh, You know, if we're cognitively intact and mentally we're doing well, then maybe our mental health is not the issue. But lots of emotional and social health needs exist, right? So we love the language. I think it speaks to the broader audience. It doesn't in essence have a stigma to it. Uh, All of us, all of us have mental, emotional, and social health needs every day. So the nice part is I get up and I say, I'm just having a hard time communicating with people today. <laughs> and that day is different than the next day. So it's just good to know that we all kind of fit in that well of, of all those pieces. Yeah. So yeah. Tracy, you're talking about language and, and by the way, welcome from me. So glad to have you here, yeah. by the way, now that you're with us between the three of us, we have um, one PhD. So yes. thanks. <laughs> thanks for lifting the IQ of the, the host here today. Um, I want you to talk about the importance of language for a second. Um, and I'm give you a little bit of reference from last week's podcast, which I know you were a devoted listener and I'm sure you listened, hung on every word. Derek joined us. Um, he had hired uh, social workers in his club, but he did not call them social workers because of, as you just said, the stigma attached to that. He calls them youth resource navigators mm. and the kids who would have really been on each other. Like you got to go to the social worker. Mm -hmm. Don't react that way at all to the youth resource navigator. 
And here you're describing instead of social emotional welfare, which is a term lots of us become familiar with, and thank God for that, that we're recognizing mm-hmm. these needs. Instead, you're talking about MESH now, mental, emotional, social health. Right. Uh, help us understand what the benefit is of using that language and go back and tell us when it first emerged for you. Oh, goodness. Uh, I would say it first emerged probably in around 2019, 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Healthy Camps Committee was a joint effort between the American Camp Association and at the time Association of Camp Nursing doing a lot of work and really beginning to see and investigate and get a feel for this, this scope at camp. We all know camp of all places does mental, emotional, social health better probably than anybody else. Out of school time experiences probably do these type of services better than anyone else, right? Yeah. We know that because we, our love and our passion is to really invest in youth. We love that. Right. Uh, but the youth of today were not the youth when Kevin and I were little, right? The youth of today are different, uh, and that's not that's always a bad thing. It's kind of like the rosebud, right? When you stick a rose seed in the ground, it's not that you say that the rose seed is bad or immature or ineffective. It's a seed. And then when it sprouts up out of the ground, but the roses leaves aren't open, doesn't mean it get bad. It's just at different phases of development. And that's where our kids are too, right? Throughout the context of culture, throughout the context of lived experience, our kids are in a very different place than we were even 15, maybe 20 years ago. Right. So youth are having to work their way through lots of different mental, emotional, and social challenges, trying to understand. And one of the best things we can give to our staff, our staff, our staff, and our kids is language and helping them understand. We all use common language in a variety of ways. Every street sign you encounter is a common language. It means the same thing to all of us. Right. And so sometimes bringing along common language and new terminology really helps us navigate a space more effectively. So I don't think any of us are saying that what we do in the mental, the mesh space has been bad or inconsequential. I think we do really good things, but it's never, we're never going to be able to stop learning in that capacity. It's an ongoing, what's that term, lifelong learning experience (laughs) where we all have to dive in and say, okay, the language of today looks like, and Camp is our mission field, right? So that's what we need to do. If we send somebody out to a mission field, they spend six months learning language in a foreign country. Camp is our mission field. After school sports is our mission field. Out of school time activities, our mission field. So what is the language that we need to use to embrace the youth in that experience? Yeah, that's really important. We've talked about that on here, Kevin, is how important it is to get that language right so people feel like there's you know, when you're speaking the same language, there's better communication, better understanding. And we've talked about that in multiple different topics we've had. So I think it's really important that you call that out here, Tracy. Mm. Yeah. So I'll, I know last week we talked to um, Derek and he gave some examples of how he's looking at mesh differently um, in, in the terms we're using today. And with you as your work in, in and out of camps, I think some of our listeners who are camp professionals and even just after school professionals, those types of things, they want to know, like, what are people doing? And so mm-hmm. for you, somebody that's been in and out of camps and different you know, perspectives, have you seen camps? What do you see in them do? What are new innovative things to kind of support this mesh idea? Give them some ideas and things that you've seen that might you know, help others to think differently about this. Yeah, there are some really great things. And people, uh, again, another thing I love to tout about camp people is like, we're the most creative, right? When I go to camps and I get in there and I'm like, 
I look at things, I'm like, that is amazing. I have never thought about it that way. And that is one of my favorite things about camp is that somebody shows me something from a totally different perspective. But there are so many opportunities and people are really investing in either an on-site presence, such as these youth resource navigators or or other names, to really bring uh, together someone to support the staff. And I will tell you, all of our research shows that staff has had more problems and challenges in the past two or three years than really almost even our kiddos. But yeah. your kids are only going to have a good experience if your staff are fully invested, right? right. So if you have yep. staff who are struggling, it's very hard to get a staff who's struggling with their own situation, their own mesh, to now be therapeutic with a, a kiddo who may also have some mesh issues. So your staff are really the key, the key as we all know, when kids leave our camp, they don't say, I love that camp because of the trees. I love that camp because of my counselor. Right. I love because I had a relationship, a connection, a nurturing through another individual because camp is and, uh, and youth activities are all about the connection, right? The relationship building. Trace, so you're, using Maslow. Doing, you're using yeah. Maslow on us now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Doing a little Maslow. So yeah. camps, you know, are doing the kind of on-site support. They're really reaching out and finding external resources. So they're really taking a proactive approach to say, let's plan for the unplanned. Let's plan Mm -hmm. for those situations that, you know, if everything goes great, that's wonderful. But let's plan for those moments that a child or a staff member really begins to struggle, really needs assistance. Um, ACH, as you all know, we produced a 90-page mesh resource guide last year that walks all the way through from before camp, prepping staff, prepping kids, prepping parents to taking care of them during the experience and then transitioning them back home. And how do we do those things? And how do we de-escalate? So there's tons of resources as well that have been created that people are pulling in and grabbing the pieces that are pertinent for them. One of my favorite things to say about camp is that we're all, that it's diversity, right? The, The beauty of camp and the challenge of camp is the same thing, diversity. We're so different, Yeah. right? It's beautiful to see all the differences in camp. We're so different. There's no common definition of camp. I don't know if y'all realize that or not, but you cannot define camp. Yeah. And Tom Rosenberg and I talk about that. Like, how do you define camp? You really can't define camp. Not by location, not by people served, not by activities offered, not by the chicken fingers that are served on every Wednesday, <laughs> right? You just can't define it. But that's a really a beautiful thing. And helping people see that is really just amazing. But we love all these things that people are using, the resources that we're producing, that people are pulling in and really beginning, I think, in fun and unique ways, connecting earlier to prepare for camp. And we're hopeful about some of that coming in this spring as well. Yeah, that's great. Well, y'all's resources are fantastic. And so we let us just be an enthusiastic endorser of, of the work that you've done and made available to so so many people. You mentioned diversity, um, and, and I, I want want you to help us with a kind of an interesting concept here. I, I love, by the way, that diversity exists in camps, even if all the kids look the same, right? right. Because they bring their a, a different experience to the table. Mm-hmm. There are also generational differences. Mm-hmm. And I want you to help us with something. So I'm an old guy. I think we can all agree. I'm an old guy. You mentioned when I grew up, which was, you know, 1920s. Um, <laughs> and um and so there's a different generation of camp counselors today, right? And this, by the way, this is my kids. You know, my kids have been camp counselors. They're 21 now. And, you know, they learn differently and behave differently um, maybe than I did. I was perfect, by the way. I just want to mention that and get that on the record. I'll write that down. 
Yeah, exactly. But so we talked today about managing Gen Z, you know, like what are the expectations, that kind of stuff. And, and you hear all kinds of different things about how you can manage them. Uh, we've heard people say, hey, listen, they are just so sensitive. They're snowflakes, kind of toughen up, buckle your chin strap. You got to learn the real world and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we've got kids who are going to be counselors. And by definition, they are now showing up to serve others. What a gift, what a treasure. How do we relate to staff who are in different places in their own life journey? I think that is a a critical question. Probably maybe of all the questions we talked about today, I think that's one of the most important things is to really begin to think about how do we navigate that camp space even earlier, like starting like now as quickly as possible to help these new hires, these new people coming in to really do some of that. Staff, especially in the Gen Z, are very different. You're exactly right, Kevin. They are coming with a different sense of needing to have voice to the experience, right? So uh, they need to have input and experience. So we often are talking to camps saying, hey, look, as you begin to navigate the camp experience with your staff, really consider taking on this partnership model. Instead of a management model, think about it as a partnership model. When you bring partners together, you bring together kind of this equal voice approach. Now, we know we still have to have leaders and, and authority figures, but when staff, especially Gen Zers, feel like they are able to give voice to what that looks like, it really changes the dynamic. And things like, if you're going to say it's your camp, everybody at your camp is safe, loved, and respected, then you can very easily say to the staff early on, okay, guys, if everybody's going to feel safe at camp, tell me what that looks like. Let's create some community agreement amongst our groups. And you guys outline, what does that look like? So everybody's on the same page. And you walk through that experience of allowing them to give voice to safety. And then you allow them to give voice to what does it look like for everyone to feel loved? And then what does it look like when everyone feels respected in this camp space? Because we all use the language here at camp, right? Here at camp, because often that's very different than the home environment. Here at camp, everyone is safe, loved, and respected. And this is what you're telling me it looks like at camp. And they are really good to bring up ideas that most of the time I don't even think of. Yeah. Everybody signs off on that. And then as the camp experience goes along, we all diverge from the path. Sometimes we all make mistakes, but you can very easily bring people back to their own ideas you bet. of Here's what they what want you, versus what, what you or my rules were for the experience. Here's right. what you said. You that. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. That's really important. Well, I think Kevin, we could go all day on this and we've only asked her a few questions, right? I think we might have to have Tracy back down the road to talk about more of this stuff because we'll, Tracy, we'll double, just, the, we'll double the guest fee next time, Tracy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but I think because this is so important because everything she's brought up today, even the DeMar Hamlin case, like from the whole you know, story, we, what we've talked about is caring for people's health. And for years, I think we had you know, that it means like, how is their heart pumping? How is their arm doing? What Tracy's reminded us today is it's all of it. Everybody, mm-hmm. counselors show up, uh, campers show up, directors show up. We all show up with our own mental, emotional, social health every single day. And it's important to understand what that means, use the right language for it and address it. So Tracy, we can't thank you enough for helping us oh, think yeah. through this today. 
Well, you know, and it's it's fun, right? Because every day you're trying to figure out what kind of mood Kevin's in and Kevin's trying to figure out where you are from a social emotional perspective. Well, even when we come to work, this campus our work environment in essence too. And we've got to be able to learn to navigate that. But I think, you know, another another podcast would be great to do be about parents and how parents yeah. influence this whole dynamic of staff and campers and bringing these groups together because I think campers give a real strong influence about our ability. I'm a big proponent of letting kids struggle, the giving them the gift of struggle, showing them that struggle is a good thing, that through struggle experiences is really what improves our health. Again, I could take you on a whole different tangent, but I think helping people understand by giving you struggle, it improves your health. It increases your sense of meaning. It increases your positive affect. It increases your social connectedness. Because the football team that DeMar was on, why are they so connected? Because they struggle together at every game, not because of their wins, because they have to struggle and figure it out and navigate and change the plan and call new plays. That is such a huge piece. And we have got to learn really great, healthy ways to our safe, love and respected environments to let kids enjoy the gift of struggle. You brought us us to the big finish. You kind of nailed it right there. Absolutely. And and I have to say, I'm glad we got to this concept of the gift of struggle, right? Because we'll come back. I promise we'll come back and talk okay. about parenting because an awful lot of parents that do everything they can to keep their kids from encountering the gift of struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether it's helicopter parents or protective parents or whatever the case might be. But all three of us grew lots. We grew a lot at camp when we had to find our way. And Mm -hmm. that is a beautiful thing. And so for me, my big finish is this concept of struggle being an example of abundance, not an example of scarcity. It is a gift. Tracy, thank you for that. Snaps, snaps, Kevin. I'm giving you my camp snaps right now. I love that. I love that. So great. And I think too, as a reminder of understanding that just like you called out Gen Zers today, every single one of us fall in different generations and how the gift of struggle was brought into our lives in different ways, recognizing that, understanding that, talking about that. I mean, that's that's what we love about this podcast is just sitting down and having a conversation about, hey, we're all humans living in these communities together. How do we do it um, and understand with empathy and love and support? So, Tracy, you have certainly added to that conversation exponentially today. You well, bet. Great. Plus, Tracy, you mentioned that Paige has to figure out every day where I am emotionally. So I love that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to read. I'm going to read us out, y'all. Staffing, safety, society is created by the Redwoods Group. It's produced by Stephen Dosher, Melanie Young, Paige Bagwell, and me. If you like the show, which is more likely today because we had a wonderful guest, tell a friend or leave us a review it means a lot to us. If you have topic suggestions or any kind of feedback, boy, we'd love to hear about them. Send an email to community at redwoodsgroup.com and we'll get back to you. That means a lot to us, too. We're on all those social things at at Redwoods Group. So uh, get to us that way as well. Staffing, Safety, Society is reported weekly in North Carolina. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Thanks for listening, y'all. Thanks, everybody.